Hey, man, fan, this is Brian Gill. I'm here uh, to start the episode off. This is a little different from what we normally do. I know you don't usually hear my, my dulcet tones first, but uh, I'm here to, to drop a little knowledge on you real quick, and then we're going to move into a little new segment, and then we'll be on to the review of Boogie Nights. I, I know you're excited to hear that. I am too. I actually couldn't attend this uh, particular recording session, unfortunately. I actually boycotted it because there's only room in my heart for one Dirk, and that's Dirk Nowitzki. Uh, I don't have any room for, for Dirk Diggler, but uh, but I'm, I'm excited to hear what Richard and Kent had to say about Boogie Nights, and I know you are too. Real quick, our uh, our bracket, our basketball movies, Matt, March Madness basketball bracket, is that enough basketballs, uh, is live now. So the second round is up. It's on our website, madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash bracket. Get over there and vote. Vote your heart out. Share it. Uh, get as many people as you can to uh, to vote there and and send on your favorite basketball movie to the second round. You've got two days to vote in the second round, and then uh, the third round will come shortly after that. So we're going to have a lot of voting this week, and we want your help uh, to do that. Uh, before we move into Boogie Nights, I'm going to bring on our friend uh, Ariel Rada from the Geek 101 podcast. Ariel, how's it going, man? What's up, guys? I'm excited to talk some uh, geeky news and stuff. Yeah, dude. So I brought you on because... Um, you know, I'm a nerd, but I'm not quite. A, I'm not a comic book nerd like you are. I, I look to you for uh, for all things comic. There's a ton of times where I will <laughs> DM you or something and ask you a, a comic book related question because I respect your your comic book nerd authority. Um, so there's some <laughs> big news that's that's come down the pipes in the last uh, last few hours, and we wanted to touch on it now before you know the week gets away from us and maybe we we don't get a chance to talk about it on next week's episode. But uh, look, we're all excited about Deadpool two. Uh, that's coming out. Is it? It's next next spring, right? Like pre pre late spring. I think it's like May of twenty eighteen. If that's if I'm correct. Um, yeah, uh, I think it's April or May or something. Okay, sweet. Okay, so a little, yeah, it's like right around April Fool's Day. I think so. Uh, Deadpool two is like going to be huge. Obviously, we're really excited. So we know they're going to do cable. Has been the the big rumor for a long time that cable was going to be uh, the adversary for for Deadpool. There's been all kinds of, of rumors surrounding that of who they would cast. And we got some pretty definitive news uh, today. It looks like they're really going hard at Michael Shannon. Uh, Michael Shannon, you, who you may know from, as unfortunately as Zod from uh, Batman uh. v Superman. I know it's, it's a bummer that that's like the first thing that I think people know him from. And that's, man, that sucks because this guy is such a good actor and that movie's terrible. And he's, he's not particularly good in it. Although I feel like it's pretty fair to say that that is not his fault. So, uh, but he's been great in movies like Midnight Special uh, and Taking Shelter. Mud, he's got a great little role in that. He's he's kind of all over the place. He is a, I would say he's Kangaroo much Jack. closer. Yeah, Kangaroo Jack, obviously. I have a beautiful <laughs> Blu-ray copy of that, uh, as I know most of you do as well. So Michael Shannon is a great actor, I think. Um, I don't know how he fits Cable. So what I wanted to bring you, what I wanted to ask you is, A, do you feel like he fits this role? And B, um, regardless of whether he fits or not, do we do we feel like there were better options out there? Because there was a ton of names that were thrown around, and I just wanted to get your perspective on that, and uh, and and maybe just talk that out with you for for a minute or two. So so, how do you feel about Michael Shannon as uh, as Cable and uh, how he can fit into this universe? 
Well, I, you know, like you said, Michael Shannon is a, is a very good actor. Um, I, I actually didn't mind him in Man of Steel. Now, I, I really don't like that movie. Um, I sure. really don't like sure. anything they did with it. I call what, it Batman v Superman, didn't I? My bad. It was it was Man of Steel, but it, yeah. it all blends together at some point. So my, um, my apologies. Uh, but but he he did <clears throat> he did exactly what he needed to do with what he was given. Um, like I said, I think that just speaks to how good he is as an actor. But I, I really, I'm kind of perplexed at this casting. I, I just don't think he is the right fit. Um, I think what they are looking at uh, in regards to just as a movie is that he is good comedically, right? He can play a straight man as good as any straight man um, sure, out yeah. there, especially a tough straight man, right? You're like you know, mm-hmm. you don't you don't want um, the guy from Arrested Development being cable uh, even though he plays a great straight man what's his name um uh jason uh, bateman yeah American jason bateman, jason right bateman. like yeah. right he's a yeah. great straight man but he's not this type of straight man um <laughs> i kind of want to see that now though to be honest i want to yeah. see him get bulked up and go for it right uh see, see cable is this really gruff um really um stiff super soldier-esque warrior from the future he is sure. a very powerful mutant he has been fighting in wars his entire life and and while that can certainly be michael shannon cable is also a big dude right he is Mm -hmm. very physical very it looks very different compared to deadpool uh that's why they look so good together on screen uh, or on page Uh, michael shannon just doesn't have that that type of physicality sure Maybe that stature is a better word um, behind Cable. Now, we do, we do know, mm-hmm. of course, that Michael Shannon is a funny guy, and I'm sure comedically that will work. But like I said, nothing I've seen Michael Shannon do shows me that he has this type of physicality required or, or, or that I want to see in the Cable. Sure. So I have a little bit of background with Cable from the animated X-Men series and then just a few few comics here and there. Uh, Deadpool versus Cable, I think, is what it's called. Is a is I've got a graphic, I've got a novel sitting, graphic novel sitting on my desk right now. That's going to be my next, uh, my next comic read. Um, I loved the character in the anim- back when you know the animated series and right. That's where I was uh, introduced to him as well. Yeah, I think that's for for a lot of us. That's the same thing, and so. I love him there, uh, and I, and I like him on the page. Uh, but I'm kind of with you. Like I love Michael Shannon. I lo- Michael Shannon really is one of my favorite actors. Uh, he just brings gosh, and I get what they're doing from an intensity standpoint. Like he absolutely yes, yes. nails that side of things, and I think it will be. I think this will work a lot. It will work very well to see Ryan Reynolds work off of him. That's that will be a blast. But I but I, I'm kind of with you on the physical side of things. Like I feel like there's. He maybe leaves a little on the table, and, and who knows? Like you can, in, in in honesty, in all honesty, like that's the part that can be changed between now and filming. Like he could, he could totally get on the Snyder plan and get jacked up, and maybe learn some choreography right. and whatnot. And and so, yeah, I'm f- totally willing to give that the benefit of the doubt. I'm not super concerned about it, but I, but I am with you. I, I've listened to to your show a few times and and have heard you guys talk about. Um, some various options here, and I, I pretty much agree with you across the board. So I don't want to. I don't want to steal your thunder. Who can you give me a couple of options of like who you would have seen in this role, maybe instead of Michael Shannon? Okay, so I mean the big names out there, everyone's heard. Um, Pierce Brosnan, uh, well not perfect, no, and I think me. actually a little old. Um, I think he looks more well. He, uh, he, I don't think he'd do as well as Michael Shannon, but he looks the part. 
Uh, Russell Crowe is a name out there. We know he can get bulked up. We know he's a good actor. Um, we know he has physicality. So that would have been a really good choice. Um, a lot of people want Joe Manganiello, who is supposed to be Deathstroke, and apparently he has an opening in his schedule, maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we actually want someone a little older in his 40s, maybe. And, of course, uh, I know this is one of your favorite actors, um, but Mad Men's John Hamm is the yes. name that Mike yeah. and I go on the podcast, and we plea and we pray and we cry for. He's got <laughs> he's he's a great actor. We know he has the comedic chops. He's humongous. He's he's broad shouldered. He looks like in another world. He looks like he could have been Cyclops when he was seventeen years old. And of course, Cable yeah. is Cyclops's son. Um, it's just everything would have worked. And someone out there made this really great fan art of John Hamm with the the cybernetic eye and the and the white hair, and it just looked so perfect. Uh. Totally. Yeah, John Hamm is like we've talked about it on our show before. John Hamm was a hundred. Richard and I are still a little bitter that John Hamm isn't Superman because he looks Superman. So I mean, he's he's beautiful. Uh, he's a great <laughs> actor. He has the the broad shoulders and the chiseled jaw and and the presence right. and the eyes that you want from from Superman. In hindsight, I'm glad he's not doing it because I don't want him languishing in that horrible horrible universe. But um, yeah. that that to me would have been like the perfect pick and the whole deal was like well but he looks old i'm like then just do an old superman old superman is way more interesting than than basically straight out of smallville superman but uh, yeah. but i digress i i would have loved him in this role and i think that when you uh when you had said that on on your show i was like man that's perfect that's exactly who that's exactly who i would want uh to play this role and um so look i i think shannon's a good choice and i'm i'm excited to see what he can he can bring and I know just from a from an acting standpoint, we're going to get something really interesting and fun to watch between between Reynolds and Shannon. Um, but it does bum me out that uh, that my guy John Hamm just kind of keeps getting passed over. Um, I you know I like the idea of Carl Urban in that role as well. He would have been a, uh, I think a, a pretty good fit. Yeah, uh, would have had to choice. change the look just a little bit. Um, and I feel like you guys might have trashed this one, but I there was a there was a minute where they were talking about Kyle Chandler in the role. And I was I was in on that, dude. I was super in on that. Because A, I'm the biggest Friday Night Lights fan ever. But B, right. it would have been a it totally would have been a different uh interpretation of the character, I think. But um he I think he could have brought this kind of like uh almost a cool factor to this very straight laced, hard nosed, intense character, and I know he can do intense. I don't know if he could do the physicality of it, um, but I think that would have been, it would have been an interpretation for sure. It would not have been like straight off the page kind of uh, look at that character. But I, I, I was kind of in on that. That sounded that was much more interesting to me than I don't know Pierce Brosnan or or some of the other names that were thrown out there. I was just like that doesn't. I don't feel like that's going to match up well. Uh, with with Reynolds and I think Chandler could have gone toe to toe with him verbally and that could have been uh, kind of a fun fun way to do that but um but anyway like Shannon's a good character great actor and and I think is a good choice and I'm I'm excited to see what they do with that they they continue to kind of hit the right marks with me for um for going and, and getting actors and, and, and directors and, and, and everybody who's maybe not the most obvious choice. And I, I like that. That to me shows that you're, 
you're trying to not necessarily think outside the box, but you're trying to find um, a good interpretation or, or the person that can do the vision that you're trying to execute. So um, I'm really excited for Deadpool 2. And, and obviously, that's the stupid, that's the understatement of yeah, everybody yeah. who saw Deadpool 1 is like, yes, give us more Deadpool every day. Uh, but this this certainly didn't do anything to, to drop that level of enthusiasm. But uh, but. It, if it was John Hamm, like I probably wouldn't be able to talk right now. Honestly, I'd just be you would in just a be a, state, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a full on vegetable. Because just give me all the John Hamm you got. Like I'm, I'm all in. Uh, so anyway, uh, Ariel, can you uh, can you tell us where we can find you and just remind us what your show is real fast, and then we'll 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 get you out of here. We'll move on to the to the next segment. Sure, you can find me on Twitter at Dread Pirate Rada. Uh, you can find my show at Geek One One Podcast on Twitter and Geek One One Podcast dot com. Sweet, Just definitely check out check out uh, Geek One One Podcast. It's a really good show, and I've enjoyed listening to it. Uh, we're going to take a little break, and we'll be right back with our review of Boogie Nights. Stay tuned. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you: Do you own a small business, or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. So it is 10 a.m. on a Sunday. It is. So that means it's our weekly time, Richard, <laughs> to gather around and open the book of Boogie Nights. <laughs> I wanted to go earlier, yeah. but you... You wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't budge on 10 a.m. I was trying. I normally like to talk about this movie six thirty seven yeah. in the morning. That's a little. It's it's before the sun comes up. It it's, is. It's I like, like to get right a, at that sweet spot, right before the sun comes up. But it's still kind of night. Perfect time to mm-hmm. talk about boogie nights with all your friends. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We made we made it a weekly thing. Yeah. So it's about time we pop on these headsets and record our conversation <laughs> yeah. because we do do this. We're every very, week. We're well practiced. We are. 
Um, this is a movie, and welcome again to Mad About Movies, if you're just joining us for the first time, perhaps. Uh, Richard and I are here together. If uh, you are joining us for the first time, that means you probably searched Boogie Nights in iTunes and found this, and that's, I mean, you're probably pretty We're already you're probably friend. pretty creepy, yeah. Um, so, Richard and I are together, Brian will be joining us a bit later, and uh, this is, the first this is a movie the- that we've actually tried to talk about for numerous times, but mm-hmm. it's actually the 20-year anniversary of Boogie Nights. So we've been saving this one for 2017, and, uh, and here it is. And Richard is actually a big fan of this movie, mm-hmm. has mentioned it numerous times, is always campaigning for a 6 a.m. podcast on it. Haven't made it happen, but again, I budged for 10 a.m. I've got my coffee here and uh, a full water. And I've already had my breakfast, so I'm good to go. So I think we should start out just by getting your general thoughts, Richard, and kind of why has this movie stayed in your consciousness for so long? I don't know. I uh, I just think it's so impeccably well done. Like, this is the movie I think of when I think of like impeccably well shot films. Um, we've got it streaming here, which we do when we get together. And it's like this opening tracking shot is just unbelievable, the nuance and... In the roller derby, yeah. yeah the roller rink, I mean. The, roller disco, I should say. And, what, and secondly, why Why would we get, why did they get rid of roller disco? That's what disco? I'm saying. Yeah. Why would you, why was roller disco <laughs> something we didn't want around anymore? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's everything about it's great. You can drink and roller skate and dance <laughs> simultaneously, all yeah. three. What could go wrong? What could go wrong with drunk people on <laughs> roller skates? I can't think of these. And, simu- and trying to dance, too. Yeah. This, the insurance companies <laughs> have ruined this country. Um, and the song in this "Best of My Love" sets the tone perfectly. Yeah. Um, so that that really it really does kind of capture you from the beginning, and that is a very Goodfellas esque tracking shot in the in the opening. And there are plenty of these. So again, you're right. Film technique on this movie is is top notch. Why else? It's it's such a interesting. It's, you know, this movie feels so authentic to the '70s and early '80s. Mm-hmm. And you for, to the point where you, I always forget that it's from 1997. Like when you just said the 20th year anniversary, I actually quickly like, did the. Sure I was like, no, it's 40 years old for sure. And it's like, <laughs> oh no, it's not because it just to me without going over the top really uh, captures a certain time, which was you know, uh, as comedians call it, you know, the perfect. Uh, it was the perfect time in American culture. It was mid Coke pre AIDS. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Of just pure decadent uh, behavior. No one, no one knew what the heck was going on yeah. or what they were doing and what was to come. You're right. It's a little bit innocent. And then the, time. the other thing is, I mean, I don't even know if they really knew it at the time, but this cast is unbelievable. Right. I mean, you're talking about Wahlberg, Burt Reynolds, Philip Seymour Hoffman, William H. Macy, Don Cheadle. The list goes on and on. Julianne Moore. Julianne Heather Moore. Graham. Yeah. Heather Graham had quite the run. From like 1996 to 2000. Yeah. Um, who else? I mean, there's tons of people in this that are just, you know. Philip Baker Hall, American Treasure. Phil ba- oh, John C. Riley. Yeah. Reed Rothschild himself. I mean, this is an unbelievable ensemble. And I also like this movie that it's very tonally different in that. I mean, I know it's about pornography and things, but that doesn't even really matter. It's, it's, it's just a big sprawling epic of a movie that doesn't really go anywhere. It just, you kind of just get to live in the lot, this world for a while few hours mm-hmm. kind of in the way pulp fiction felt 
huge. Yeah. But it's set in 1992 yeah. LA, you know, yeah. and there's no, it's, there's, yes. it's not scenic in any way, mm-hmm. really. It just kind of has this big epic scale to sure. it. Sure. This, but too, like nothing really happens in this movie. I mean, there's kind of a narrative, but it's pretty loose. It's mostly just an excuse to have 30 of the best scenes you've ever seen in your life and kind right. of pinch them together in some way. Yeah. Um, but it's just a, it's just such a great movie. It's, it's, uh, you know, the subject matter is not for, not for the little ones, but yeah, I hope you're, you're not in the car with the kids <laughs> listening to this. Yeah. We'll put explicit on this just because of the subject matter. <laughs> it's, uh, but. I'm, but I'm always ready to shoot Jack. And, uh, so it's, and, and then also the reason it stuck with me is the lead character's name is Dirk. Yeah, it is. It is the, ori- the original <laughs> Dirk drafted a year apart. I think yeah, this movie exactly. came out right before that. Um, yeah, you're right. And it's funny that uh, you speak of the ensemble. Mm-hmm. It's funny that all of these actors kind of agree to do this. I know because Paul Thomas Anderson wasn't really he had who only he made is one today. kind of small film before that, right? With I think Phil so. ba- Baker Hall. Yeah, and selling them on the subject matter. I don't. I don't. You know, pitching it to the studio. This is a movie that would never get made in 2017. No. Because of the money required to make it, the tininess of the audience that would be willing to see it. It's kind of the last, one of the last films uh, with that kind of scale to it for, for a new director. Now, if you're, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson could make this today. I just mean for a young, whoever the 2017 version is of a 29-year-old PTA would not be able to make this. Right. You're right. I don't think... <laughs> I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson was born in 1970. Yeah. So if you're Burt Reynolds and this guy's like, hey, man, this young director wants to make this movie about the 70s, you know, uh, coke and porn scene. And Burt Reynolds is probably like, what is this? I, kn- I know what about that. Like, this guy doesn't know anything about that. Um, but the fact that he gets Burt Reynolds is just... Burt Reynolds didn't want to do this. Yeah, he hated all. the entire experience. And, and uh, still hates it. Thought it sucked and everything, yeah. But it ended up, it's a, probably in his top three most iconic roles oh, or movies definitely. that he's in. And it's funny how that stuff kind of, you don't know what you're getting yourself into at the time. And that ends up being what it is. But this movie just. This house, there's the house, man. Currently just for sale. Right. And we're looking at kind of his, uh, uh, Jack Horner's abode for the first time as we, cool. as we're screening this here. We looked but, very heavily into moving to California, buying this house and having our podcast studio in it but couldn't quite pull it off. This movie for me, and as I watched this on the most, for this uh, episode for the, at the most recent time, it really occurred to me that this movie is just two and a half hours of setting the scene mm-hmm. and just showing you the environment that these people are in. I mean, think about the roller derby. Think about Dirk's uh, work. Think about Jack's house like we're looking in mm-hmm. here. Think about the uh, drug dealer's house. Think about the mm-hmm. set that they actually shoot on. Think about the first big party that jack throws and invites uh mm-hmm. eddie or dirk to um those are all done with the steady cam and they're all tracking shots mm-hmm. and they're just panning around and you're just seeing every little detail of these places and um that really does just kind of like you said puts you into the situation but that's the entire movie it's just kind of showing you what it was like to live during those times and the plot is very i don't know loose mm-hmm. i don't know if that's the right probably not the best term to use for this but uh, it is. It's just kind of throwing it back to that uh, that time period, and it's all about environments. This entire movie. It's about music, mm-hmm. and uh, or, you know, picking the right music to tell to show the environment. I mean, 
that can't be understated enough, I don't think, is the right choice of song for the right moments in this movie. I mean, mm-hmm. the songs are forever linked to these moments in the movie. I mean, I'll never hear um, You Sexy Thing, I Believe in Miracles, yeah. without thinking of Philip Seymour Hoffman walking like around the pool in those like short shorts, you know? <laughs> um, it, it, yeah, it forever changes your perspective on on a lot of stuff. Such a tragic character. Here. In this scene, uh, yeah, the character of William H. Macy is, I mean, he's tragic in almost every movie, but when he walks in on his wife and uh, there's nothing he can do about it, it's pretty tragic too. So, I mean, the characters are extremely well-written and kind of iconic too mm-hmm. uh, in the movie. Not only the actors that play them, but the characters that they play. Um, I think Tom, Paul Thomas Anderson knew how to knew what he was doing in that regard uh, as far as building a building an ensemble of mm-hmm. characters that you care what's going to happen to them because again this is a subject matter that if you're not totally interested is yeah. you're like man I really wonder what happened during the 70s during that time yeah. um, you could be all out but I think this movie has a mass appeal for Absolutely. how well the characters are written so they're completely deep they're three dimensional you they're likable no matter how despicable some of their actions are you know morally ethically whatever your belief system is i think that's but they're like you know you like these people you right you want them to be, i mean uh you see the good in them the bad in them the demons in them the angels in them and and uh you you kind of i don't know uh, this is like to me such a master class of like how to i don't know really create intertwining character types that that and just setting them somewhere and letting them interact together we're looking at a tracking shot of this looks like your office of his room yeah it does kind of look like my office you're the same serpico of dirk's room he's just it's just posters of every pop culture thing in the 70s cars and musicians and girls and everything great way to set the scene but it's funny because this movie for a lot of different reasons and it kind of applies to every character is the line, everyone's blessed with one special thing, mm-hmm. right? Everyone's trying to look for what they're good at or what they were meant to do, what their meaning in life is, you know? And for different people, that's different things. And in the movie, everyone, every character in the movie kind of tries to figure that out in their own way. So I think that's kind of the driving theme through the movie. Of course it is. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it applies to a lot more things than just the industry that they're in. So that's probably the the main attraction here. Uh, the scene that really caught me for the first time was when they're in the diner and Jack and roller girl and Mm -hmm. Julianne Moore are all convincing him to do it right. To join them and to be in the, to be in the industry. That's a really well shot row dialogue sequence. Um, what sequences for you kind of stick out? Oh, wow. Um, the party scene's classic. Uh, and we'll talk later about probably the most memorable scene from this, the fireworks scene, which is... Mm-hmm. A, have you ever been more nervous in a, for, in a, in a scene in a movie? Um, trying to think. Some other ones. The diner scene, you're right, is, is classic. And it's, that's more like a... Uh, I mean, shot great, but the... That's such great scripting, you know? Paul Thomas Anderson is such a complete filmmaker. I mean, I think he, he and Tarantino both are the two that are totally, completely talented, but also like 50-50 between writing and shooting. 
Uh-huh. You know, some people kind of lean one way or the other. Like more gifted and with the camera than with yeah. dialogue. And some are more gifted with the pen. Yeah. And I think, I mean, Tarantino's an incredible writer, but I mean, this, he shoots his eye. Yeah, his eye. And PTA is the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this stereo scene's great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Don Cheadle's Don awesome. Cheadle is great in this movie. Yeah, and I'm not a huge fan of his. He's yeah, hit or miss for me. Same, but um, he's great in this, great in the Ocean series, and a couple other things. But um, yeah, this is really the first intro we get to him, and uh, he's a he's a, he's a character that you really are like. What is going on with this guy? Yeah. too it's another really interesting plot line that it's they just, kind of throw in here randomly but uh, um and then the whole you know i always remember this is, i mean this is silly this just shows my sensibilities the montage of like the karate movies that reed and dirk make together <laughs> yeah yeah it's just like that's just to me that's just a totally confident filmmaker that is completely willing to put in this like kind of ridiculous so seven cheesy. minute yeah, yeah thing and but shoot them really authentic to what they are oh yeah being yeah. able to go into that shot style. Them on super eight or something probably yeah. and having those graphics come across the screen like they do that are authentic to the time. It's such a throwback. I love it. Um, you're absolutely right. It's funny how in the pool party um, scene, that's probably the most iconic one for me, mm. is the pool party. That's but, just such a... I mean, he shoots it incredibly, but who couldn't? I mean, that's that time, of the, you know, you get that set design, right? Oh, it's just beautiful. And the costuming, and yeah. And um, I love that they go from the girl who overdoses, mm-hmm. right? In the in the bedroom, you got to have a scene with somebody overdosing, right. right? And it's always a girl, a hot girl that overdoses yeah. <laughs> in these movies, and at our parties, and at our parties, our ma'am fam throwdowns. <laughs> um, so they go from that immediately to the the uh, I believe in miracles. I yeah. mean, it's such a transition yeah. from girl is dead to here comes uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Talk about a little bit about him, and uh, I mean, yeah, I mean his portrayal of Corey in this. Our friend is, Corey, yeah, is masterful. No, uh, no, he's you know completely heartbreaking in this, and uh, but hilarious. I mean, that it this is to me everything Hoffman Hoffman was uh-huh. when he the memorable part for me in in here is uh, of With course the, when he sees Dirk for the first time yeah. in that, like I just said at the pool party, yeah. that's great. But when he hits on Dirk, and yeah, he's he gets like, the car. I, 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 I'm sorry, man. I'm just really drunk, man. I'm just, I'm, just, I just, I'm just so drunk. Just please forgive me. I think I used that in our little uh, tribute we did to yeah. Seymour Hoffman. But that is, that's the perfect kind of use of him. And what a, uh, what a visionary uh, PTA was to cast him in this. And I think he's more visionary for casting John C. Riley in yeah. this role because he was nobody as well then, and he's oddly fits the time period. Yeah. perfectly in the character it grow great little american treasure john c Riley. yeah there's a lot of ats in this movie there is it's, uh, um this might be one of the more packed at films you when you think about it if burt got, reynolds is not an american no nah, he doesn't have a sense of humor about oneself i don't think Wahlberg but, probably future Wahlberg could be in the future um you've got philip seymour hoffman bill baker hall philip like baker said. hall john c Riley. there's three that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Well, Heather Graham. <laughs> the Colonel. <laughs> um, that's funny. Um, another scene that's great is uh, when he, after he decides, after Wahlberg decides to join them, and he sits down with uh, Jack Horner, 
and tells him what his name is going to be. And he says, I have it. And, you know, and a neon lights and it's yeah. exploding and they can kind of describes it to him and then they show it and they're all like drinking to that, you yeah. know, like that's such a great moment too. Uh, cinematically as well as after that, he goes to buy clothes and everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And Boogie Shoes is playing. Great yep. song. Uh, yeah. This is an all time soundtrack. Old timer. How do you get the rights to the? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how they. I mean, this movie had to be. I don't know what the budget was, but for a first studio film, I'm looking up the budget. I mean, it's a miracle that this got greenlit. It's awesome that it did. But what a visionary! What a vision by the studio to kind of get it. I agree. Why is uh, okay? So, of course, the first kind of half of the movie, probably third of the movie, is is so iconic for all the scenes we just described. But the second half or the last hour is probably the more interesting mm. movie. It's probably where it becomes a movie yeah. instead of just, oh, we're back in the 70s having a good old time. Yeah. And, or the 80s part, I should yeah. say. And that's when things get real, like get way too real mm. for the characters. VHS, man, it ruined everything. <laughs> it did. I'm never shooting on videotape. <laughs> um, and it, yeah, it is funny how serious these kind of entrepreneurial pornographers were yeah. back in those days well they saw themselves really as just sort of a slightly more cd version of hollywood directors right i mean that right they just played at different theaters they had an but it was the same product back then yeah it, it wasn't like today where the internet exists or anything like that like they really did like this is the only place people are gonna be able to experience this and we need to take it like an art form like a, play it like a movie and all that and that happens so that is funny, but so when the '80s come again, things start getting uh, stop getting fun and start getting real. And uh, <laughs> I guess the drugs really kind of take a turn. So at first in the '70s they're really fun, but in the '80s people are dying and yeah. they're, they're becoming addicted. And probably the, the scene for me that's like whoa is when they go to the dealer's house and he's just completely strung out and he starts like going insane. And they're all three just kind of sitting there like on yeah. the couch, like what is going on with this guy? And he starts shooting or going, you know, killing everything and going on a rampage. That is a, that is a scene that's unlike any other. So yeah, the, the, the downside of cocaine, right? <laughs> Alfred Molina, uh-huh. another great, uh-huh. great actor. Was he not nominated for that? Because it was such a small part, but it's like, whoa. I know. Everybody in here should, the Oscars in 1998 could have just been the entire cast of boogie nights in different categories. Yeah. Um, so that also when Don Cheadle tries to go get the bank loan, Mm -hmm. that's great too. Mm -hmm. And Don Cheadle again at the donut shop when he witnesses like the robbery of the donut shop while he's in there, like getting a donut, you know, (laughs) he's like, Whoa. Um, that's such a juxtaposition to, yeah, because he, the tracking, not the tracking shot, the dolly shot, that uh, by the way, tracking shot. We mean if you're just joining us, you don't know what that means. That means the camera doesn't cut away. It's yeah. all on a, a steady cam or on a dolly, and it never cuts. It, it's all in one take, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what we mean by that. But the dolly shot of the donuts counter, yes. as he's going to pick out which donuts he wants, yes. he's like I want two of those, two of those, and the the camera's following him like through the glass <laughs> where the donuts are in between. Like that that's scene the kind of, does that's the need... kind of stuff. If you're PTA that you see in your head, and you're like storyboarding it out and everyone's just like what <laughs> and when you're actually doing it they, they t- it totally makes sense um 
that's something that only the director can think of. The DP is not going to be like, okay, we're going to put a dolly behind this and he's going to be going this way and saying this. It's just like, it's so iconic that you can only think of that in your head. And it's so decadent and not needed, but it still makes it incredible. It's Tarantino. um, In Pulp Fiction, he said that the scene where Travolta goes to meet Mia for the first time and he goes and rings the doorbell and you see the lips come to the little thing. It's like, mm-hmm. I'll be down in just a minute or whatever. And she's got the red lipstick on and son of a preacher man is playing over the mm-hmm. hi-fi. He's like, I had that idea in my head 10 years ago, never knew how to put it into a movie. But when he wrote Pulp Fiction, he yep. put that in there because he knew it would make for a great cinematic sequence, mm-hmm. but he needed a way to do that. And of course it's a extremely iconic yeah. moment. And it's just like, when you see that, those types of things, like, man, I'm watching a movie, mm-hmm. you know? No, absolutely. By a filmmaker. I'm not. There's not many of those guys, but when you do, especially in the theater, um, and you see the way they use the. I mean, I'm not even a super visual person. Uh huh. Um, but there's such a difference between guys like this and. and uh, All tour filmmakers. Yeah. And just, and then I'm going to hire a one off guy yeah. to kind of make a movie. Do you think. And uh, not that every movie has to be like this, but. But uh, when they are, it's mesmerizing. I think so too. What is your? Where do you rank Paul Thomas Anderson's work as far as uh, ranking it goes? Oh, filmography. Man. So I love this. I love uh, Magnolia. Mm-hmm. Trying to go through them all. The Master. The Master's incredible. There will be blood. There will be blood. Punch Drunk Love. Man. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I know we. I know Inherent Vice wasn't. Super, it's probably his worst movie, but that's a lot of people's best movie if they make it. Yeah. It's just kind of such a weird, the book is what, I mean, the book's great in book form, but so impossible to shoot even for him, but it it still was a fine movie. It just wasn't on the level of these, but gosh, he's, and apparently his, you know, his next movie is right. No, he's making something about like the 1950s, I think it's fifties fashion scene in New York and it's Daniel Day Lewis. Oh, I knew it was Daniel Day-Lewis. It's like a dressmaking movie. I don't yeah. know. Well, that'll win everything. Yeah. <laughs> For Daniel Day-Lewis, I mean, at least. He's going to live as a dressmaker yeah. at the Dior store for the next five years until they make it. Yeah, it is. It's about the fashion industry in the 1950s. It's untitled right yeah. now. There's no... Principal photography began in January, so... Oh, I know the up. title. It's just called um, We Win. <laughs> yeah, it's called The Oscar Goes to Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> uh, so the budget... For Boogie Nights, fifteen million. Wow! So he did. These actors must not have gotten much, which I understand because there are a bunch at the time. They were no big deal, but it's just like, yeah, a lot of that had to just be the the set. I can't understand how you'd make that for fifteen million between the music rights and the way they the the uh, I don't understand set design and everything. The, they the must have design, found, but the costuming. They must have gotten people just to donate yeah. old clothes. And they must have this. just found buildings that were a lot of that were still kind of from the seventies, hadn't been redone. Uh-huh. Kind of facades in uh yeah. in LA that were yeah, that's amazing. I don't I, I would think this would be double that now if somebody said I'm doing a completely period piece. <laughs> like I'm gonna look up the budget movies. for the the nice guys. Yeah. The one that came out last year because it's kind of similar in tone and style to this. Let me see the budget. Fifty million, yeah, for the nice guys. So there you go. Of course, you've got to pay Crow and Gosling more than any, any, well, true. And there's any, there's a lot more special effects in that, but yeah, but still, I bet this was a movie that. Oh, this is a New Line Cinema production. I bet this was a movie that um, 
Paul Thomas Anderson was just trying to get made forever, and New Line bit the, the hook and they're like, we'll give you fifteen. What did this That's make it. at the box office? Off of made forty three million. Wow. So it still didn't even do that great. But I'm no. sure in Blu-ray sales and everything, it's gone because I everyone I know owns this. I mean, right. I only own like six movies. This is one of them. Yeah, it's it's definitely held up because again, it's it's set so well and it's done so well that. It does feel like it's forty years old, and it mm-hmm. and it's uh, it would still hold up even if it was forty. Yeah, it's years timeless. Old. Yeah, I think so too. Um, as far as Paul Thomas Anderson's kind of being a visionary, mm-hmm. to get Marky Mark to do this and to pull it off is wow! Like he just, he made a <laughs> career out of Mark Wahlberg as an actor, right? Absolutely. Because Mark Wahlberg is basically like today. If okay, this uh, young director who directed uh, this, you know, this cool Netflix movie that did well. Yeah. Uh, he's doing this movie about the 70s porn with Macklemore in the yeah. lead role. He'd be like, yeah, yeah that's going to be terrible and no one cares and <laughs> Macklemore needs to stop and all of that. And then to have it be one of the maybe, you know, AFI top 100 American yeah. movies is uh Yeah, is he's making it with Macklemore and a bunch of like New York City theater actors. Right. <laughs> And, and and washed uh, up, uh, yeah, washed up Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> That's Burt Reynolds. <laughs> oh gosh, I, that wouldn't have worked, but or would it have? Just, oh, look at the denim suit that he's wearing in Brock Lander's debut. Angels live in my town. <laughs> denim patch suit. It's so great. Um, so that's crazy that that ever worked, and it's funny how well Mark Wahlberg plays a seventeen-year-old kid too. Mm-hmm. When he's clearly not. Yeah. Uh, I guess they just like put braces on him or something. Yeah. But uh he was so lean too at the time. What's uh, where does this movie um what do you think about the second half when the, and everybody kind of When it all falls apart? When it all falls apart. Yeah. It's great. I mean it's that story of that time, the the fun of the seventies and the punishment of the eighties. Yeah. Um I think a lot of people live through that and this kind of encapsulates it and simplifies it. Oh maybe oversimplifies it, but it tells that story. You know? Did you notice? It's like when we were living live large in the late '90s, and then our boy band right. came crashing down. I'll be willing to ask James Gunn this. Did you notice like that? Guardians now has a lot of references to Boogie Nights yeah. that I never noticed. First of all, they play the uh, "Come and Get Your Love," yep. which is the main theme, mm-hmm. except for the Uga Chaka song and yep. um, and Guardians, or it's mm-hmm. plays in the most uh, climactic moment. And uh, the guy, I guess it's the Coke dealer. Who has Awesome Mix yep. Volume Six or whatever yep. on his tape player? I never noticed that before. I don't know why that took me so long. Yeah, to get I think Gun is a huge nod of this movie. Yeah, which I mean, I can't imagine. Maybe being that a inspired filmmaker. the '70s soundtrack for uh, for Guardians. Yeah, it could have totally could have. I mean, that this movie's definitely very uh, very. She's a mother to all of us. Is is super. Uh, uh, why do why do it's, I not have a silk bed spread? I don't know. Like I'm a, I'm an adult. I can have that. Why do I not have that? But this movie had to be super I, again I, setting the scene. This yeah. whole thing in the '80s is them showing Wahlberg's new place. So I mean, it's funny how simple that idea is. Like, let's just pan the camera around the room. But how well that works too. You know? Yeah, it works so well. And well, they have, have such interesting anything, interiors. You know? Yeah, they have such interesting interiors. Yeah. It has to be one of the most influential movies of its time, though. This in Pulp Fiction, I think, right? Of the of the 90s. Everything kind of spins off that after. Yeah. Maybe Clerks, too. Just because, not yeah. saying that it's as good, but I mean, in terms of what it... When I think iconic 90s movies, I think Pulp Fiction, Jurassic Park, 
But those are big studio. I mean, non-studio movies. Right. Um, I'm just, I'll say my, probably my top yeah. five. Jurassic Park, um, Boogie Nights, definitely maybe like Armageddon is one, and then probably Forrest Gump, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're like checking. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that one. No, no, no. Those are, that's that's true. That's true. I just don't know. I think Jurassic Park certainly, but I don't know how influential Forrest Gump or or uh, Armageddon were to like the next gen of filmmakers as much as these yeah. ones were. Maybe switch Armageddon with Independence Day. That's true. As far as just the big budget, yeah, something huge is happening to the yeah. world. We got event cinema um, kind of thing. This one's really in a league of its own, though. Like, what what would you say this movie influenced? Like, what came after this that uh, besides like a Easter egg type stuff, like yeah. Guardians and stuff? No, I think this this brought out a certain kind of like, and I don't mean adult in terms of the pornographic part of this. Um, I mean adult in terms of like you know, uh, kind of fifteen to thirty million dollar films, R rated films that you know, it was super influential in terms of. Uh, Dark comedy. Dark comedy, and then ensemble casting, I think. Uh, ensemble, everyone, there you go. Yeah. Everyone wanted to kind of do that for a few years. Uh-huh. Um, to bring back a lot of great actors that were yeah. maybe past their prime. And then, yeah, and, and then Tarantino and, and this movie both, yeah, kind of started that weird infatuation with, there was a time there where, I don't know, Sherman Hemsley was getting, no, I'm just saying, like, random actors yeah. from the 70s were getting work, but... Uh, yeah. But, no, it's... It's such a I, this movie just every time I see it and I I rewatch this a lot probably once a year I always think ah it's probably my favorite movie it's just so perfect it's just such a movie yeah like you said it's it's I don't, it takes you back uh, it's nostalgic to a period that I didn't even live through which is weird right it makes me nostalgic for the late seventies and I was born in nineteen eighty six yeah and maybe uh, I, I love the way the movie ends too. Uh, we had a little Easter egg to that whenever we. Oh yeah, uh, I thought we were gonna... we did a Troublemakers. <laughs> Richard and I did this little short in, in high school, where it was this documentary about a boy band who was who sucked, but they were trying to get into the boy band Hall of Fame, right? As if that was a thing. We had a little Easter egg in there where Richard's character is looking in the mirror, like washing his face, <laughs> like you can do this, Richard, because you are a star. <laughs> And no one got it but us. But that was uh, <laughs> they let us. We played. Then we they asked us to make the video for prom, the banquet before prom. And so we made this little ten minute thing. And then at the end, it ended with that scene, and no one got it. <laughs> and Kent and I were in the back. We were, were so excited that we it, snuck yeah. it, snuck it in. Because then right at the end, I go for my zipper, and then the credits came. And up. then the, it cuts right. Um, so that's great. But I love the end with God only knows by mm-hmm. the Beach Boys playing, and then kind of showing their lives after they yep. they're not in that scene anymore and not all of them are good right you know you got the colonel getting beat up in jail yeah <laughs> god they're none of them are good really yeah everyone's kind of kind of falls on falls in the real life you know the the ride is over the bubble of the 70s is over yeah yeah so where would you grade this one if you're easy it? a plus don't even have to think about yeah it. yeah this is such an easy a plus this is one of the i think 20 best movies ever made wow I'm gonna look. Now, I'm not even gonna the, say uh, favorite. I'm gonna say almost. I don't know what you could. What's better than this? There's things as good, but I just don't know what's better than this movie. Wow, really? I'm up there, man. High on boogie nights. There's nothing better than this movie. That's a that's a statement. It is. Um, I'm trying to look at where it ranks. If it if it ranks in the uh, AFI top 100, 
It may not. I don't think it does. I don't think they've updated it. It's a travesty. Yeah. The last time they updated it was 2007. Maybe they're doing it. Yeah. In uh, 2017. Maybe they'll update it this year. Yeah, but you got. I probably won't get in because you've got to add. Pulp Fiction's in there. You've got to add both now you see me's. <laughs> so it has even less. Well, of if you were going to only add one, you would add number two. Yeah, because uh, yeah, two Woodies. Because there's two. There's twice the Harrelson, <laughs> which is never a bad thing. We thought. So <laughs> you're right. That the ultimate magic trick they did was pull that off. They let us know. They. I don't see Boogie Nights in the top 100. It's a shame. Not at all. That is Toy Stories. A Travis nine. Sham mockery. Pulp Fiction's at 94, and Forrest Gump is at 76. That's the last, ridiculous. In the last uh, updated. I don't version. hate Forrest Gump like Brian does, but to say Forrest Gump is better than Pulp Fiction is absurd. I think there would be some movies from, from the past 10 years that would for sure get on this list. I think The Dark Knight would get on there. Mm-hmm. I think No Country for Old Men would get on yes, there. Yes, for sure. That's Maybe a La La Land or Moonlight. I think uh, Michael Clayton should, but Birdman might get on there too. Yeah, I don't know if Birdman will age that well. I mean, Birdman's incredible, but I don't know if it has will enter the culture. Which still remains to be seen. But no country for old going to be on here. It's the best silent movie of 2011. That's true. If you were going to make the best hundred silent movies after 1970, it's definitely top ten. (laughs) It's one of the best between 2010 and 2012. (laughs) It's in the top three during that time, but in 2011. There's no one that can say it wasn't the best silent No, I mean, that's, some things are subjective and some things are definitive, and this is definitive. And it's empirical. You can, I can prove to you that it's the best silent film of 2011. <laughs> can we say that? <laughs> so this is the year that uh, Titanic swept the Oscars. Yeah. It was 1997. So it was a little hard for any movie sure. that wasn't Titanic to win anything. But I get that. We haven't talked Titanic. Who won lead actor that year? Uh, Jack Nicholson. Oh, uh, as, as good as it gets. gets. Yeah, that was a pretty good Oscar year. It was. Robin Williams, I think, uh, uh-huh, for Good Will uh, Hunting. Good Hunting. Um, best Picture was Titanic, as good as it gets. The Full Monty, Good Will Hunting, and L.A. Confidential. Gosh, L.A. Confidential. Forgot about that's a good movie. So it wasn't even nominated for Best Picture. That's absurd. This should be nominated over the Full Monty, but. People were scared of this because it's about porn. It this took like five years. Julianne Moore was nominated for best supporting actress. Burt Reynolds was nominated as well. Okay, I know Wahlberg wasn't. Wahlberg was not. He was too new, I guess, at the time. Um, I'm surprised John Cheadle wasn't nominated for. I guess you were going to do one for supporting actor. There are like seven supporting actors know, that, Phil, that are all Philip Seymour Hoffman, Don Cheadle, and John C. Riley all could have been nominated. He was nominated for best original screenplay for this. Yeah. And um, I'm trying to look for director. Let me scroll down to it. Best sound editing. No, Titanic. God, Titanic won every award except for best makeup. Men in Black won that. <laughs> wow. Forgot Men in Black was came out this year. Actually, we're doing a Men in Black podcast later. Yeah, we've got a lot of good 20-year anniversary movies. James through. Cameron won. He was not nominated for best director. Holy crap. Uh. PTA was, it was not nominated. I know. I know. This movie was, I'm telling you, it's just because of the point. How does thing. Adam Eogian get nominated for The Sweet Hereafter and he's not nominated for this movie? How can you be nominated for Best Screenplay that you wrote and not be nominated for Best Director? Especially when it's a movie's, the acting is this good. The, the shot the selection editing is, yeah. is so great. The music, which is. Yeah, it's again, one of the all time. One of the all time. As all-time. far as what auteur cinema means is that the director literally does everything uh-huh. pretty much 
this is like the textbook example of writing, directing, visionary, you know, telling a story that only you can tell mm-hmm. in the way you can tell it. Man, what a what a crime. That's some of the all That is a that is an all timer yeah. right there. Yeah. That's almost like that's equivalent to Franco not James Franco not or Dave Dave Franco not getting nominated for Now You See Me right. One. I would Louis, say Louis Lettier didn't even win Best Cinematography. <laughs> so that's another one. And he put a camera on a pigeon. I think uh <laughs> I think the full Monty kind of took away the kind of outrageousness of Boogie Nights. Like if the yeah, full but Monty had such... come out in the same year. Yeah. Maybe it would have had a chance at that kind of weird nominee. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, if LA Confidential doesn't hold up nearly as that. No, this owns LA Confidential. That's a good little movie, but mm-hmm. this is, yeah, I mean, that's why they should. I've heard theories online for this that the Oscars should be for the movies 10 years before. Like, we should be having the 2007 Oscars right now because you just don't know. You that's gotta true. Let, that's a good point. Yeah. Because history, you just don't know how things are going to like. It's hard to really grade things in the moment. We need to start like a hindsight awards club, and <laughs> yeah. every ten years, give out an award for the movie. We could that's do an episode best for that for that for ten years ago to that. Point. Let's do this. Let's do a ballot. We'll have the Mamfam vote. Yeah, and let's do the two thousand. Let's do like the nineteen ninety seven or two thousand seven Oscars again, and have them vote. Say we'll do you, that this year. If you could have done it over, this yeah. is how well, it wins. probably would have gone down. Yeah. Wow, that's a great idea. Okay. Well, Boogie Nights will probably be nominated in our 97 pool. Might win some awards. Okay. I think PTA would probably be nominated for director. I'd be willing that, to go that out. Is, that's almost gets me angry. Like, I would write to the Academy, like, what? Are we all smoking? It almost invalidates some awards. It makes no sense. That would never... I think... I think, I think they've gotten better, though. I think 2017 I mean, America can get over the fact that this is about the porn industry. Yes, exactly. It was like, just that's, a, a, that's honestly a small detail. It's of not it even that... It's not any more filthy than a lot of movies. No. It just happens to be about pornography, but it's not like it's a, you know, a complete. It's not totally in your face about it, really. and it's not borderline a pornographic film. It's very much a mainstream film. It just happens to be about. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I would give this an A. I like this movie a lot. Awesome. Uh, I need to get the Criterion on this. I actually have just kind of a basic yeah. DVD version. I need to get the Blu-ray and the whole experience. But yeah, this is one that it's a uh, it's stands the test of time and it's a, it's a movie of its own but stay tuned to the show we'll be doing a throwback movie every week from pretty much here on out i think so look for those yeah we appreciate uh the sponsor for making this episode Thank possibility you. uh where can we find you richard you can find me on twitter instagram snapchat all that stuff at richard barden kent where can i find on you on the twitter instagram snapchat everything at kent garrison and uh, find us online at mad about movies on itunes Leave us five stars or two if you don't like what you hear. And uh, that helps grow the show. So until next time, see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Bye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those toss salads and scrambled eggs. Calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. Your salad is scrambled eggs. They're calling again.